0: Welcome to PPR podcast number 70. It's brought to you by Renovation Realty. And I've been wanting to talk to this guy, Bert. Cue the bagpipes, John Thomas O'Sullivan. The pipes, the pipes are calling. OJT, thank you for making time for us. I know uh, you got other things to do. So this is uh, really g- generous of yours of, uh, in spirit of helping us out in PPR. Can, so let, can I ask a tough question first?
1: I'm ready for it I was I was getting fired up with you singing
0: <laughs> <laughs> why are you not coaching at this is, is this a uh, why didn't you step down that seemed like uh, you you had the you built this program into something special and just when you're on the cusp you stepped away why
1: I, I am coaching my uh, our 10u soccer team out here in Coronado <laughs> rec is on fire I don't think they've lost in two years Uh, <laughs> no it's a uh, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. I think the biggest reason is just, and you guys know this, I mean, the amount of time that goes into those roles, yes, it's hard to sustain for a number of different reasons. And so we're really proud of what we did over there and the experience that we gave to our athletes and felt like it was the right time to hand it off to somebody else. So let me follow that. Well,
0: Cause he's got a lot of, I mean, the family
1: issues, right? I mean, you got a ton. It's like you, got, you got a bunch of rug ankle biters right now, right? uh we've got three young dudes that are all into sports and you know i've always said that i'm going to do everything in my power to never miss those games and so just a special time in life and try to enjoy those times as much as i can
2: so i want to ask you, follow fault that what are you teaching your son that his game of the week he picked to go see torrey pines run a wing t is an
1: offensive <laughs> guru how does that come about? i mean i mean i mean you guys were there too was, the, <laughs> the, the, pick, the pickings were interesting for the first week they yeah, always they were. are the first week of the playoffs and so uh he wanted to see Division One football, and it was fun to see them go out there and and compete. It was fun to see. I'd never been to a Tory game before that pregame where they walk through the the stands. is right. pretty cool. It is. I agree with you.
2: So on a family note, so I mean, I, I understand the young ones and the time concerns. Um, say Coach Kurt Hines um, took a job at another school, and Coronado was open. You live in Coronado. Would that be of interest to you, or are you just totally out of high school?
1: I mean, it really doesn't matter where it is. I'm I'm not that interested right now. You know, it, it's just one of those things where, and th- and that would almost probably be the the opposite of what I would be looking for, if that makes sense. No offense to Curt to coach. He's doing a great job, and and they've got it rolling for for where they're at. But it's one of those things where, you know, it's such an investment, both personally and for your family. That you know, I I think it's I'm always admire people who coach where they live because that's a lot of ball all the time. You can't you can't get away from it.
2: Right. Yeah, and there was that. I mean, everybody thought when, you know, you resigned or stepped down. I mean, you went to a Catholic high school. Saints came open about the same week. I mean, every I think everybody in town thought you were automatically going to Saints. I was surprised you weren't, that you were actually... You guys could have asked. Well, I did. <laughs> I, think,
1: I think Paul, I, you might have asked. I, I don't did. What I, I, said, I was on the blower right away.
0: I, and uh
2: you I, were
1: straight. I was honest.
0: Yeah, you were very... Yeah. So I, I understand it. I completely get it. Uh, while it's a different line of work, we, the hours invested in... Putting on a high school football show is very similar to what it would take to run a high school football program, at least from where I sit. And, man, everything suffers because you're, if you want to do it right, you want, you're consumed by it,
1: right? Yeah, and yeah, you're absolutely right. And really, it's not just, you know, it would be one thing if it was just me, you know, but I'm asking one of my best friends to be our defense coordinator and, and go along for the journey with me. I'm asking a staff of people to be invested into what the program's doing, all the players. And, and it really isn't just a, and I, I know you guys know this and everybody who watches this knows this, but it really is a year round commitment. And I think for me, you know, anecdotally, personally, the reason that it was probably accelerated the timeline at Henry was just, you add in the COVID experience. Right. And for a lot of programs that that did what I consider took advantage of that time, meaning that you used every possible avenue to build your program and take advantage of what that kind of lull allowed you to do. You know, we're AAU practicing, you're in a park, you're Zooming. And I really think it helped our program kind of accelerate the timeline for how improved we wanted to be because we had a great spring and it, we were I felt really good about our program where we were at, but it was a massive commitment. And so that probably accelerated the process a little bit. But, you know, it was never necessarily a long term thing. I was never going to coach other kids and not watch my kids play.
0: And, and that, I think we beat that drum enough. I, I, I think everybody understands it. anybody who's been around the sport understands it. But I, I like to ask a question as it relates to what you were able to do at Patrick Henry, because. You guys ran a pretty sophisticated attack and now everybody knows that you, you're uh, playing lineage and the fact that you understand this game better than most I always was when I was in back in 78 we lined up with splits that were six inches apart we ran six plays there was it was the game was deemed too sophisticated to be able to throw the ball at the high school level but that has been demonstrably proven wrong in 2022 how much can kids at the high school level adapt to modern concepts
1: i mean i appreciate the kind words i would say a lot you know i think you know and i'm guilty of this as much as probably anybody who's ever coached anything is you really bring your own issues when you're teaching when you're coaching about this is what we used to run or this is how i like to run it And I thought that we did a great job as we were there for a few years about being really adaptive to be able to say, hey, this is what we have in the program. This is what we identify as our strengths. How can we build around this and what can that look like for us at our level right now? And we really did that. I think we made big jumps from that first year to year two to year three and it accelerated. But I really think that and the thing that I used to tell our players was. Hey, we're never gonna stop putting stuff in. Like there is no ceiling to this offense. We can, uh, I can see something on Saturday at a college game and be like, hey, we're running this as the first play this week. You know, that's that's the part of it that was fun. And we would have players come to me with with plays and ideas, and we would try to do it. And so, I like that part of it. I'm a fan. I was always a fan of the X's and O's element of it. But I was always honest with our players saying, hey, you have to be able to prove to me that you can handle this, that you're invested in our system, that you're masters, that you're essentially coaches on the field. And because of that time, because of that COVID time and all the meetings and all the the way that we had to practice, it really made some really smart football players. And we were able to carry a high volume for the high school level. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't, and you make a good point because, I mean, playing in even when I was coaching 2010, 12, even today, you get these coaches that this is what I run, my personal has to fit into this, right. not I need to fit into them, and that's just impossible in the high school level because you're not recruiting, drafting, free agency, you're not picking players to fit into your system, it's the opposite way, but a lot of people don't do that, they just stick to that, whatever they run, they run.
1: Yeah, and I was guilty of that as much as anybody. The first year we were at Henry, you know, we had a, a good quarterback and we threw for 3,000 yards, running a bunch of RPOs. And then you come back the next few years and, you know, you're leading the county in rushing. You know, I'm a quarterback. I want to throw it as much as anybody, but I'm also, I also like to win. And I know that uh, we got to get the ball to the best players as often as possible. And so we just morphed and adapt and, and we're able to kind of take advantage of our strengths. So when you watch an NFL game,
0: are you able just to watch it like, Bert and i with a beer in hand or are you always seeing
1: things i mean does that mind shut down ever as far as yeah it, it definitely shuts down the uh and i'll be honest with you i don't watch a whole lot of live broadcast games just because of kind of what i'm doing now on the, uh, film wise and so it's it's a nice way for me to be able to kind of you know relax and just watch the broadcast view and not have to see the all 22 and all the x's and o's to just enjoy it but yeah i, I like watching the ball as much as anybody
0: so f- for your work, for what you do, h- how long does it take you to get through a game? If you're looking at all 22?
1: I mean, it, it, it depends. I, w- I would say, you know, if a video comes out and it's a half an hour, I probably invested two hours into the entire process. That's
2: not bad. Hey, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> and this has not, I'm not asking if you're going to Oceanside, but you know, we came up <laughs> earlier, Oceanside's, We've already been, I'm we... not asking that question, okay. I'm asking
1: this question. <laughs> Bro. I, I mean, barely it, go east of the five. <laughs> it has nothing to do with you. I know it
2: sounds like it does, but it doesn't. But it came up earlier this morning on Good Morning San Diego. And so if I'm in Oceanside, I look at somebody like Damon Baldwin. I want to get Damon Baldwin. But Damon Baldwin has 25 years in, in his district. Oceanside, notoriously, will only take up to 10. Is, is that hurting, like, San Diego football, that he can't move or, or any other coach that's vested in their community because, you know, the district won't take their years? And you have to go out and get somebody like you that's a businessman or Ron Bernard, El Cap, that's a businessman and not a teacher. And we then we complain about not having on-campus teachers. So how does that get fixed?
1: So, so yeah, so that, how it gets fixed is way above my pay grade. Yeah. But I can definitely tell you that it impacts athletic directors around the county and schools, you know, whether it's where Oceanside is or San Diego Unified You know I know personally there were a number of assistant coaches that I would have loved to have got on campus I was always looking for on-campus coaches just because I knew that was a blind spot for me and I and it it impacts all the hiring I don't pretend to understand you know what transfers what doesn't transfer I've never been you know the educator at the scholastic level but it definitely impacts it and you would love to see some sort of ease in the restraints or the restrictions that comes with being able to just go get the best people for the job and I know that's easier said than done. Yeah. But man, when it impacts programs like this that are really staples in a community, it's, it's a bummer on so many different levels.
0: I mean, I, lo- I look at all the success that John Carroll had in Oceanside. Yeah. 13 section titles, two state rings. I mean, <laughs> that, 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 that high school football program was uh, one of the showpieces of the entire community. Yeah, but you, I don't know if you can do that anymore. I
2: mean, you know, Oceanside's been... Well, but been, the demographics change and think... I mean, nothing stays the same. Uh, Oceanside looks like La Jolla now. It never looked like that before. <laughs> I mean, it's been gentrified. But but again, you can't... I mean, you can't because of the teachers, you know, the contract labor, you can't do more than 10 years transferring in. And that's just insane because you either take a chance on a young coach that wants to move that's has less than 10 years, or you get somebody like... Damon Baldwin, or any of the other great coaches that have tenure, and they can't leave their districts anymore. They have to stay at that job forever, which is also good.
0: Well, you, you you lead me into my question, JT. What coaches out there at the high school level that you encountered in your your uh, in your tenure as a high school coach in the San Diego ranks? What coaches out there you think, hey, that guy's got it?
1: I mean, there's a, there's a lot of great coaches in our area. I'm not telling you anything you guys don't know. I think probably my favorite coach while I was coaching, and probably the guy who gave me the most as far as we could bounce ideas back and forth from each other, was Robbie Owens over at Helix. You know, obviously, he actually coached against me in high school or in college. So we knew each other for a long time. Uh, Other guys that are still in the area, probably my favorite or the toughest defensive coordinator to go against, in my opinion, was Deontay Lee, is Deontay Lee at Mount Carmel. I think he could have been a head coach many times over and is probably, hopefully, waiting for the right opportunity. And I'm sure Drew would be upset to lose him. But there's a lot of great young coaches in the area that that are doing their thing. It's fun for me to be able to see them get their opportunities, whether it be as coordinators, play callers, or head coaches, and and flourish. And you bring up Deontay
2: Lee, and I brought up, you know, I get a lot of slack because I picked Poway over Carlsbad. But to me, Deontay Lee is, is, X and O is a genius to me. I mean, if you can't, if you can't draw... I mean, if you look at his game plans, they're just a different level. And and he shuts everybody down. But if you get somebody that's really physical, you can't X and O out of that. If somebody's just physically dominating, you can't X and O out of that ever at any level. And I I think that's what Poway brings. If people don't get on both sides of the line, you know, obviously on the perimeter, there's going to be some problems with speed and and skill position and, you know, Julian's saying. But it's hard to X and O out of a physically dominating, wear-you-down team.
1: Coach? I mean, Yes. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm guilty of that as anybody. You know, I, I would say that we, that's what we tried to build at Henry when we were at the division that we were at, when we looked as, across the strengths of our programs about what we could consistently do. And if you can consistently lean on someone at the line of scrimmage, it makes everything else easier, right? Like we all love to go out there and see the the passing numbers and the touchdowns and the ball flying all over the place on Saturdays and Sundays. But sometimes you just want to be as consistent and as powerful as you can possibly be. And if you have that advantage at the line of scrimmage, it's really silly not to do that. In fact, I would, I would flip it a little bit when you talk about who you're picking in that open semifinal. The Carlsbad offense, you know, I'm I'm as guilty as anybody about loving the quarterback position and love what Julian Sain brings to the table. But you go watch them play, and I know I personally, and they, those coaches probably get you know hurty feelings that I would say this, but I, I get bummed out that they don't throw it more. You know they they still play really balanced football and have a good running attack and try to do that element of of what ball is right now in that in that case. But man, Julian Sand is a special player, and I don't care necessarily what Poway looks like and how they can lean on certain players. They're they're going to be in for a tough challenge.
0: So elaborate on that. What makes Sand so special in your view?
1: Well, I, I think for where he's at and how much football he's played, he's so smooth and polished. The the consistency of his stroke to be able to do whatever he wants and has every club in the bag, and be able to create a little bit, you know, all those things together, that's what SEC quarterbacking looks like. That really is, you know, there's a massive difference. Even guys like, you know, Tyler Buckner, who was great in the area for for a long chunk, right? It felt like he was here forever. He was a great athlete, is a great athlete, but he doesn't spin it like Julian Sainz spins it. It comes off his hand differently, and it comes off like that true kind of like five-star consistency, smooth, fluid action that you really see guys at the highest level be able to do consistently.
2: And you forget looking at him, he's just 17. He's, he's not even a senior, he's a junior, and it's just like, oh, okay. I just, boy, it would be so cool if a, an
0: athlete of that caliber were to stay here at, and play on the Mesa, because that could, that could turn a football program around, couldn't it?
1: I mean, maybe would, would you
0: I mean, <laughs> I, you know, like I,
1: I, I, I know people love to have this argument and, and I and I hope you know that they're on the up everywhere. But I mean, it's easy to choose where you're going to go play football nowadays, you know, whether it's not a West Coast bias, I'm a California kid as much as anybody, the, the SEC and really the big two at the collegiate level now with what the Big Ten is evolving into, they're leaving everybody else behind and, and the best players want to go play the best competition in the best environments.
2: And that's another question, So San Diego State, I mean, it probably eventually go to Pac-12. And the Pac-12 isn't going to be what they were because they'll lose more players probably. How do they compete? I mean, because I think people forget. We just look at basketball and football. But then, I mean, recruits, you have to get NIL deals. I mean, you have to be semi-entertaining on Saturday or else no one's going to go to stands. No one's going to tune in. People want to bet on you. I mean, it becomes a whole different level. It's a nationwide stage then. I mean, do they have to change a lot of things if they do go into the Pac-12? Football-wise, not basketball. I think they're already there. But... Do you have to? I mean, that's a big, big change. I mean, isn't it? Your NIL deals can't be Lolita's anymore. Taco shop. I I mean, things like that.
1: I think that there are many levels to that question. You know, whether you're talking about what they need to change to do to get high five four-star guys in there or what the Pac-12 needs to do football-wise to catch up to the big two. You know, all those things are kind of TBD. But for me, you know, when the little I watch of San Diego State football, It's really hard to recruit a quarterback there. I I love Ryan, I I think he's going to do great things over there if he gets an opportunity. Uh, But for you to have a track record of quarterback play and throwing the ball like they do and have for a while, you know, I'm I'm thinking in my head like decade plus now, maybe. Yeah, at least twelve years. It's tough. You know, what What do you want? I mean, if you're really being honest with yourself, if you're a quarterback who wants to throw it, and, you know, I was not a big-time quarterback recruit at all. I got no scholarship offers, went to Division II football. But I can tell you the number one thing I wanted to do was go somewhere that was going to spin it. I wanted to go somewhere that was going to throw it. That was the number one thing. And I got really fortunate where where I ended up and the experience I had. But I was not going somewhere where I was going to hand it off. I had enough of that in high school. I was spinning it.
0: Can Can we follow that conversation? Because I think... A lot of kids, you know, we, we focus on the Saiyans and the Rod, Roderick Robinsons and all these guys that are getting these mega offers, but there are more of you than there are of them. And I, perhaps you could share a little advice on that side of your story or a little perspective to kids who are watching this who might be down in the dundra, uh, doldrums for, you know, geez, no one's calling me this, that, and the other thing. The,
1: the, the, yeah. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I can try to. It's It's difficult because for a number of different factors, from what you all have already talked about, about the impact of NIL, kind of the this instable element of college football, that's probably above the heads of many of these student athletes that are getting recruited and kind of the uncertainty tethered to that sector of higher education. But when you're talking about, hey, I'm coming out of school, I wanna keep playing football, you know, what are your choices? Are you going for the college experience do you want to play at the highest level possible do you want to play do you just need to play do you have financial issues tethered to your experience because there are great there is great ball everywhere there really is i i think just because a lot of these young players young high school students don't understand how good the ball is whether it's at usd in the pioneer league whether it's in the big sky whether it's at fcs division two ball because there is no division two or division three ball essentially in California. So you don't get open to those experiences. But for me, it's about going in there with, hopefully you have a great support system to give you those opportunities to allow you to go explore where you want to go and just trying to make sure you make the best decision for you and realizing that there's gonna be significant luck into it, there really is. You know, I I, I got extremely lucky with where I ended up, but I really tried to keep my options open and knew exactly what I wanted. I didn't go to a certain couple schools because I knew I didn't want that experience. And so you just open it up and and hopefully you get a lucky opportunity. But I think so many kids, and y'all know this, they get tethered to the brand or the helmet or the logo and they don't realize that even if you go to that school, you know, your chances of making it to the league are so minuscule. You're really going for the experience and what it's like to be a college athlete, to be a college student and have that great kind of four to five year, essentially pause in life to, to find yourself. Did you get a big NIL deal? No, at I UC did. Davis?
0: Uh, no, I, I'm the I'm the I'm I know the, you went to
1: Wisconsin I'm the
0: broadcaster you... here. I'm right. I'm not in your guys league, but I sure do uh, uh,
2: find your the life fascinating. And I hey but me hold a- on, real quick to follow up on that, but I think there's a stigma here. Kids don't realize, and I'm from Pennsylvania, and we, we have Division II schools everywhere. The JC teams here would beat the brakes off the Division II teams in
1: Pennsylvania and, and Midwest, but kids still have a stigma not to go to JC. Like it some- you get herdy feelings to me, but I would even say it, the stigma is right in how you frame it it's not a junior college it really is a community college so if you're looking for a college experience and you want to play and you think that you're getting overlooked and that you're getting slept on and you want more film we've got a player who's at mesa that i was fortunate enough to talk off the basketball court Is now become a great corner for mesa bennett walker he's gonna football might change his life now it didn't change his life because he came out to henry and played one year of football but he's developed and evolved and now he's gonna get that opportunity at a division one school and so that's certainly an opportunity. I think people do sleep on the quality of ball. In fact, I'm going to the Mesa Southwestern game this weekend, if you're out there, find me. It's one of those things where I'm excited to, to see them flourish. I think it's a high level of ball where you can go out there and really showcase your skills and continue to develop. Because for a lot of people, and, and I don't boohoo this opinion, it's about playing at the highest level possible or nothing. It's if, a- if, if that's your thing, that's you, you do you. That wasn't my thing. And so I, I, it's hard for me to relate personally, but if that's your case, community college is a great way to go in California. And you, well, I'm sorry, one Can more.
2: Book, please. And you followed up with, you know, a basketball player that football changes life. I'm sure every quarterback played baseball. I'm sure you played baseball in high school. Did you, yeah. I mean, was, and we had Jim McMahon on here um, about a year ago, and he was talking about the decision do I go play baseball or do I go play football, and which one is it going to be? I mean, did you have that choice, and did you ever regret that choice and say, oh, maybe I should have done baseball?
1: hell yeah, you see the guaranteed money in <laughs> baseball? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was one of those things for me. It kind of chose itself. I didn't necessarily get along great with my high school baseball coach. And then when I got to college, I was thinking about doing both and probably could have done both at Davis or at least attempted to do both. And my college coach pulled a college coach move and said, hey, if you want to play, you're going to have to play spring ball. You're going to have to be here. And I, you know, fell for it as a freshman and, and it, it worked itself out. But I still miss baseball.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're – JT, I mean, the career speaks for itself. Can if I said to you, "All right, trace your career from the college," could you name every stop along the way without looking it up?
1: I mean, I probably could. It would be mental gymnastics for me.
0: Well, just walk us through it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, you put the pressure on. Yeah. Uh, New Orleans. You want the World League too? Yeah, we uh, want everything. Europe. Uh, we uh, want every, CFL. Everything. And
0: you played so, in Canada too, didn't you?
1: Yeah. So uh, I drafted to New Orleans in between my stop in new orleans i went to galaxy the frankfurt galaxy i then got traded to green bay cut at green bay picked up by the bears uh practice squad then got picked up by the vikings active roster then I in was, that's good yeah it was nice i was really easy on wednesdays i knew everybody <laughs> you didn't have to go over the scouting report <laughs> i knew every person in the scouting report uh from minnesota i went to the practice squad for New England and Carolina, then signed back with the Bears, went back to NFL Europe the second time, Frankfurt Galaxy. From there, uh, Mike Martz saw my film, and I got picked up from Detroit, followed him to the 49ers, from the 49ers to Cincinnati, to San Diego, to Oakland, and then finished up in uh, Canada for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who have a great fan base. Please let me in. Right. How tough was it to adapt to Canadian rules? Uh, I mean I was always a fan of Canadian ball and I had friends that were quarterbacks in the league and so I knew a little bit about it but I will tell you that I never adapted to how big the playing field is like the throw to the field to the (laughs) the wide side is like throwing to the part across the parking lot. It was not going to happen for me. So you have a lot of I'm just curious why did you settle
2: down in San Diego and not Detroit. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, tough, easy choice huh? uh my wife is from coronado so okay. I, I, we we're always coming back to san diego
2: jt do you have do you
0: have memorabilia or a uniform from all those stops
1: i probably have some i don't know about uniform or i have helmets from certain stops but usually if i got cut i would just leave the building because i was so pissed i didn't necessarily go back to the locker room and like you know, trash bag it up like a lot of guys do it was just uh i probably have somewhere some item from every team yeah
0: so does that the, the the having been at all those different places and having to pick up s- s- every offensive system? is there anything about the game you don't understand right now i mean
1: you have know you've... Oh, i'm sure there is so <laughs> you had I, one of those
2: doomsday prepper bug out bags at every place you're at you just go
1: i just never unpacked i just i got i got a lot of points at the extended stays and uh you know it's it was just it was part of the deal man i never you know and it's even funny for me to joke about it now but like I was literally living my dream, like I mean, and y'all you, you know, like so few people get this opportunity. I was just gonna literally suck the bone marrow out of that career, every single thing, because once you're done, you're done, and it's a uh, and it's and it's at that. But man, I had a blast while I was doing it.
0: Oh, JT, I would kill for that experience. I, I think it's even more impressive than somebody who plays just. Well, the guy sitting next to me, well, hello, you were there for six years? I got hurt. Yeah, but still, <laughs> I would take your career for the richness of experience over his, you know,
2: draft day money. Well, there was no draft day money, but <laughs> maybe you bring it. You probably made more than I did. I was eighth pick in my first year. I made 250000 Big money. So you, wait. You got uh, me
1: on the signing bonus.
2: <laughs> did you, you got a, a PhD from USD, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was a great experience. You know what the crazy coincidence, the guy you're tied with, Josh Johnson, for the most... Teams also played at USD. Oh, I think 15 he's long. Apiece, I think, yeah.
1: I think he's long since passed me. Has I don't
2: he? Know. I he? I thought he just passed this year with with his last one.
1: Uh, he. I think he's. I think all his might be NFL teams. I don't know. Either way, Josh has had a great career. I remember watching him in college playing too, for Harbaugh. Yeah he was a he's a heck of a player in fact usd is a great program and the the commit that they just got the uh player the quarterback from modern day i'm forgetting his name Nankel. yeah yeah he, he uh man watching them play carlsbad early in the year he probably had the play of the year i don't know what you guys selected for play of the year but man he had an amazing scramble creative Absolutely. outside the pocket it was awesome man he's a great player and usd is fortunate to get him in my opinion i agree his escapability is vision too
0: just yeah. everything i love that kid yeah. So he, I think he's up for Offensive Player of the Year. He was in the uh, Silver Pigskin Fan Vote. Are they, man, if, uh, if the refs call offsides on Carlsbad and they actually win that game, he yeah, a whole different. He, he's probably going. on the podium. Um, J.T., uh, just, uh, are you following our? He probably doesn't know who our, our fan vote, our, our Player of the Year. Our, he our, knows. We, have, we have five guys. Mm. We have uh, Sain from Carlsbad, Robinson from. Lincoln, we have uh, the two-way player from U-City, uh, Sam Cooper, who you probably have experienced a little bit. And then we had Connor, Connor Rath, the running back from Poway. And then uh, in the fan vote, Jizo- Josiah Cox from Lincoln. There are five finalists. You're probably going to get a vote if you haven't already cast it. Uh, you're certainly going to get a ballot. You're going to be one of 215 people who are going to decide our player of the year. I-, I don't know if you're comfortable tipping your hand as yeah, who you I mean- would vote for.
1: I'll tell you for sure. I've seen four out of those five guys play and uh, no disrespect for the Poway running back. But Rod at Lincoln is is a special player. He's by far, in my opinion, had the best season in the area. You know, got a chance to see him in person versus Saints absolutely destroy them and then come back and beat Madison. And I'll be honest, I'm not that kind of doctor, but it didn't look like he was 100% in that game. And he was still the dude out there and so he's a lot of fun to watch he's a he's going to be fun to watch at Georgia yeah, I was bummed I, I'm friends with the uh, UCLA quarter, UCLA running backs coach and I know they were bummed about him uh deciding to go back to Georgia but man he's going to be fun to follow he's a dynamic really borderline unstoppable high school athlete
2: well you can feel, let me you want to feel old like Paul and I this is how we feel did you ever in high school come across a running back that physical fast and and I mean because he's like Bo Jackson Herschel Walker size right now in high school, I mean, it's it's just no. evolving so quick I don't now know how that you it's would, just like, like... I'm
0: trying to think of, at 178 pounds I was as a senior, how,
2: how I would bring him down. Well, Rod, Rod's not on JV, so you wouldn't have would. face something. <laughs> you wouldn't have <laughs> You, would face uh, you you're know good. what? You're good. <laughs> it's okay. No, mean,
0: no one thinks you're funny, man.
2: You're a senior on JV. There's nothing wrong with
0: that. <laughs> they said that I was because they had a lot of other players.
2: Leadership qualities yeah. <laughs> for the young guys.
0: All right, but I mean, how would you he's almost dangerous to play against, uh, if you're
2: just... Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I, don't, I don't know what you do when you're trying to attack him. Mean, you, you just try to get as many people as you can to the ball. But even then, they, uh, you know, Lincoln is always going to have that, uh, the fun offense with Coach Carter there, dialing him up down the field, taking their shots, and then for them to be able to run the ball like they can run the ball with him is just, you know, good luck.
2: You're 30 minutes over again.
0: Uh, okay, so mm. that, that, that was fun. Hey, I just, the game has evolved... Excuse me for being a giddy little school. I get these chance to talk to you once every <laughs> ten years. Give me how had the terminology. Are you a proponent of the long-winded verbiage, trips right, uh, jet motion, rewind motion, blah blah blah, and those long twenty-syllable play calls, or are you now a proponent of
1: cat? Uh, I mean, I think it depends on the level that you're at. If we're talking about high school our aspirations at henry were originally for everything to be one word it evolved probably to you know three or four words just because we evolved as to into kind of a motion shift offense but i always love the capacity to start from the framework of we want to go as fast as possible so if you're not going fast at high school you're really in my opinion doing your players a disservice because of how the rules operate as far as being able to rotate players on and off the field so in college if you switch personnel you know they they stand over the ball and allow the defense to switch or in the league but in high school it's like a line shift you know you can just run people out and they got no chance about that and so for me it's all about being able to control the tempo and then just making sure you're in the best play possible so I love teams that operate under what I call peak tempo where you see them kind of hustle up to the line of scrimmage do a snap count, and then everybody looks over to the side, you know, to get into the best play because most defenses don't have the capacity to change the defense as fast as the offense can change a play, and so, you know, those kind of short plays are, are kind of my favorite way to communicate and play football at a high level. So walk me through what's happening there because that's what
0: Lincoln does, that's what modern modern day does. They get up to the line of scrimmage, and then they all look at their watch at the same time, and then look over. What is going on there? Walk me through.
1: Yeah, just give me a so play the, call. This is just me. You all. Well, I don't necessarily know exactly how those schools do it. I never liked the wristband. Okay, now this is going to hurt some people's feelings, but like I just don't like the wristband because I feel like it makes things too confined. I like to be able to kind of change things on the go. And so if once it's on the wristband, it's on the wristband. you got to run it like that, and it's fine. And most of those teams will just look over and yell like color number, and it tells everybody what to do. And it's certainly a way to do it. I personally was a big fan of, and people my, even coaches on the staff, when we first got to Henry, would say, we're not going to be able to do this. But we just made everybody learn the signals. So everybody looks over. Everybody knows the signals, whether you play guard or you play quarterback. Everybody knew every signal. And so it wasn't that complicated. I don't know why people think it's that complicated. It takes a little bit of time and investment. But I thought it was going to give us a strategic advantage on what we were able to do and carry and kind of the in-game adjustments that you see as opposed to if you go wristband, you know, those whatever number of plays, that's all you got all game.
2: I'm going to ask you one last question, because this, this is probably... Because, right. you know, I have to go to the sidelines, and, and we all have to listen to fans, you know, in the stands. So I'll be at a Lincoln game, and, you know, Jason Carter always notorious, so will come out the first couple series in 18, you know, shifts and motions at a time. Just see where the defense adjusts and what they do to line up to it. Every, you know, the fans start yelling, why are you moving around so much? Run the play. And it's like, you must get... I mean, you have to hear it in the stands. Like, some of the stuff is the craziest stuff you hear in your life that you... It's like, did you play football at, like, Pop Warner ever? I mean, how do you deal with that as a or head deal coach with when parents you're basically? come down. I,
1: I will say I had a few different tricks of the trade. The first trick of the trade is to go what I'm doing right here and go double headset on the <laughs> earphones. The next set is really, it starts, it really starts in the off season, but it certainly starts at the start of training camp where you have that meeting with your parents where you basically say, hey, here's our role as a coach. You know, We're the educator, we're the teacher. We're creating this experience for your student. Here's your role as the parent it's to love, it's to support, it's not to holler at me. Because I used to tell them that I'm a terrible listener, but I hear everything. And so, you be really careful about what you're shouting because it'll eventually will get back to me.
2: Hear that? That's chilly. <laughs> that,
1: that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's
2: chilly. One more thing. What happened to your shoe game? When you're a coach you had a great shoe game, and now <laughs> I see you at the, I see you and you got like, I don't, you look like me now.
1: Oh man, come on, bro. Next time you see me at a game, make sure you pull up and we can compare anytime. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, I'm not uh, really. Really. What game are,
2: are you going to this week?
1: Oh, uh, You know, I always let my oldest son, he's 12, he gets to pick. But I'm probably going to lean on him for the Coronado game just because it's right down the street, just because we've been going off the island, I feel like, every other week. So we'll see. I'm excited to see. Uh, you won't see me you know, there, then. Yeah, I probably won't see you nah. there. But You're to the, uh, go I see would, Rod and Madison? I was at that game uh, a couple weeks ago. And it was it was fun. I I personally, I don't don't this is gonna I don't wanna hurt any feelings over at Lincoln, but I I I really, really like that Madison team. I I like their defense. They're my favorite team for that group of players because we played against them in the spring of COVID, that COVID spring, and I'm still hurting about what happened with that game, but man, it was basically the same core unit. And those player those dudes are really good players. Coach Jackson's son is is one of my favorite players to watch in the area. He's a super talented just athlete in general. And so hopefully, uh, you know, they, they can find a way to pull that thing out and make it a good game. JT, you, of all the sc- every
0: year when we come out with our categories, the, there's a level of social media abuse that you have to kind of gear up for. I, I, the one school that I think has a legitimate beef with the names we selected is Madison because that there are, there are about five or six guys that did not get proper acknowledgement.
2: Yeah, and they have a D Lyman there. I mean, it's really, really good. But he's a junior. So we try, I mean, we yeah. do put juniors, but you try to stay with seniors. But, uh, but. if
0: any, the school that I, I felt worst about was Madison. I, I, I agree with you, JT. I think they're going to be good.
1: Well, just before you guys cut me off here, I'm going to say I want to make sure that I kind of like publicly thank you all because I know how much our players love this show this broadcast what you guys do to the community my son it's a staple he stays up every friday night to watch it it's one of his highlights to ever kind of sneak on the back end of one of those on-field celebration shots it's just a great community thing that brings people together and i certainly want to make sure y'all appreciate how much we enjoy it and appreciate what y'all do are you so tomorrow
2: night or friday night we're gonna wear the shacks from uh, walmart <laughs>
1: Oh, the it's, a, it's, a, it's a Jordan game, man. If it's a game day, it's for, it's some element of the Jays. Uh, well,
2: the Shacks uh, at Walmart are kind of knockoff. They look—you could probably pull it off. Just try it, or get some ones yeah.
1: No, I'll, I'll 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 take your word for that.
0: <laughs> right. uh, JT, thank you for the love. <laughs> thank you for the time. Uh, I'm a fan, as you know, and uh, I appreciate a lot. I, I, Longest
2: I, one ever. Look at that. Wow. Well, oh, god. I mean, yeah.
0: and and I had I didn't even get to my questions because I wanted to ask a lot of technical. X and O stuff. But All right, well, maybe, hey, can re- you do it again maybe sometime?
1: Reach out anytime. You got my number. I'm happy to support you guys any way I can.
0: All right. God bless. Uh, have a good holiday, and I'll, I'll see you when I see you, okay? See you guys. JTO Sullivan. This podcast is now over.